episode 642 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Came out of nowhere with that one. Instead of five Mississippi, it was more like a two and a half. You know what? I feel like I'm on Spectrox. I have energy. I don't know why. Oh, well, again, that's a good feeling to be on Spectrox. I'll just say yes. that much. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's the way to be. So, uh, hey, uh... No time for small talk. What do we have on the show this week? That's right. Um, something with a collected edition that we may have willed into existence. I'm not sure. Um, some award announcements and a new gimmick cover. I'll give them credit. It's definitely a new gimmick cover. Um, conventions. What we read last week, which was only uh, the giant size Nightwing 100. What we're looking forward to this week. Um, Todd and Joe have issues, which this year is the Sandman read through, um, which will be issues Sandman 7 and 8. Um, I don't believe there are any uh, Todd's Art Attacks. And finally, no shows or movies yet. So it should be a short, short show, Joe. Oh, boy. This is how you jinx it, you know? I never jinx it. Right. Slender read of a show. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're going to end with Sandman. So let's start with Sandman. Uh, it was announced. Now, I'll be honest. I'm not reading the current Sandman universe stuff. Right. Uh, not anything against uh, James Tinian uh, or anyone else that is doing those books. I'm sure they are fine books, right? Um, but you know, I am a bit of a snob, uh, and unless it's Neil Gaiman writing it, I don't want nothing to do with it. Right. But starting with this current run of Sandman universe stuff that they're doing, uh, specifically nightmare country, uh, is the book. Um, they are going to be releasing the trades and the hardcovers at the same time. Yes, which is an old thing that they haven't done in a long, long time since I don't know about thirty years ago. <laughs> it's so I will give I will say it's been like twenty years, right, right. Um, but we talked about it on the Patreon show uh, last month that there was a time, you know, we we're going through and we're seeing like, oh, you get the hardcover or the soft cover, you get your choice, right? Mm-hmm. And like it was a DC thing, like Marvel. First of all, remember Marvel like would never put trade paperbacks out of stuff ever. Right, strike while the iron's cold. And Ugh. if they did, it like, and they didn't do special hardcover editions and stuff like that, unless it was like the super expensive Master Works edition, and that was only of old, old stuff. Right. Um, but back in the day, you know, DC would do like, okay, well, and this was pre omnibus days. Mm-hmm. Um, they would do, you know, the trade and the pay- the hardcover would come out the same month. And they would come out, like, relatively close within, like, a month or two of the uh, thing that it was collecting, right? hmm And then especially, you know, DC over the last several years, uh, it's been three months after the thing comes out. You get the solicitation for the hardcover or the trade, one or the other. You don't get both. Mm-hmm. And then another six months after that, you get the solicitation for the hardcover, the trade, whatever you didn't get the first time around. And then another three months after that, you get the solicitation for the deluxe hardcover and or the omnibus of something. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it was a method that I guess worked for them. Right. But, you know, we're old and we hearken back to a day where like right off the rip, you got that um option you know right 
Uh, I I've been more preferential to the image model, which they don't do no more. Uh, which was especially for like a new series, you would get like that first trade price to move, um, and it would come out like the same day as the new storyline would start. Which I, I thought was brilliant. I mean, just unbelievable. Right. It was like that's the way to do it. It's like you want to get caught up by this and this. And you're right. good to go, you know. And it was and, pr- it was priced to move. It was always like five to six issues for like nine bucks, mm-hmm. you know. And then I'll remember it was when they stopped doing it when the Walking Dead TV show took off, right? Though, and they bumped the price of that first trade up to like twelve ninety nine, right? Whatever the right because the Walking Dead trades were always six issues. That was the whole formula. And yeah. the first one, like, let's just say you were right. Like, they were $12.99 or $14.99 for the second one. The first one was $9.99 all day long. Give them that first taste cheap and hook them. Yeah. But uh, then when that changed. But I don't remember a lot of the other trades because Kirkman could afford it. Um, I don't remember a lot of the other ones being less expensive. I just remember them coming out day and date of the next storyline usually you know it's been so long we may have talked about it on the show but i always could have swore at the very i know that and again you say kirkman right but when kirkman was doing invincible he wasn't the juggernaut that he was Mm -hmm. when walking dead came out and i remember the first invincible trade was cheap it was like the nine ten dollar trade okay and i'm almost certain that the first saga trade was also like a nine ten dollar trade Right, but another guy who has a ton of work in print, you know what I mean? Right, right. But, like, they would, you know, if it was, and that's the thing. So if it was a series that was picking up steam after those first, like, four or five issues, they would rush the print of the, you know, the the trade out so it was on the shelves when the seventh issue was there. You know, whether, like, obviously it's nicer when it's a sell-through and you could do it cheaper, but it's nice when that first trade is sitting there and there's buzz on the book and, like, you could spend 20 bucks and you're caught up on whatever the new hot book is, you know? The only thing that I can think of with Marvel and DC um, on that is, all right, Image is a smaller publisher with the you know exception of Walking Dead, is that I can imagine uh, that Marvel and DC want to move those single issues. Like, if a book is hot and it sells out, it'll go to second and third prints. Sure. They don't want to, you know, like, and then at that point, they're like, okay, you know, should we put a trade out? No, we still have in the warehouse copies of of this book. Like, let it go for a little while longer, and hopefully, like, when you can't order them anymore, that, you know, Diamond, or I keep saying Diamond, but it's Lunar now. Lunar will say, like, no more left, whatever. Now it's time to put the the trade out. They probably have a formula down to a, you know, a science, which makes them money, or they wouldn't do it. Right. Because when did comics become a business, you know? Right around when they separated what month the trade and the hardcover came out. Right. Uh, and I remember, you know, and obviously we're talking about it on Previewing the Past, the current era that we're in. Uh, but I remember DC rushing a Death of Superman trade out super quick. Sure, because that was, I don't know if you remember, Joe, that story was hot. <laughs> I don't recall them doing that with Nightwing, but I can understand why you wouldn't want people to Should read that. Night- you mean nightfall 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 that's what i yeah i have nightwing notes in front of me there you go that'll do it every time um but yeah and like i don't think marvel did that like i think when they did infinity gauntlet in 91 92 the fact that they got a trade out period 
was like a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, they're like getting a trade from Marvel at that time was, was different. Yeah. I remember I'll make I'll, like all, like all joking aside, one of the books that had an early trade, one of the first early trades that I remember was the new mutant slash cable trade for, for the Rob. Like, yeah. Cause, uh, cause the, the first two issues of like 86 and 87, or was it 87 and 88? The first appearance of cable was hot. And they put one of those out to like, you know, to, to whet the, the people's appetite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, yeah, so the, DC's doing this. Hopefully, you know, this test works. Uh, people bite and then this goes back to, uh, you know, the way that things used to be back in the day where you'd get that trade, you'd get that hardcover and you would get that choice when the book comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully this is a return to the way things used to be, you know? Hopefully. Hopefully. Now, also, uh, you know, we're not an awards sort of show. You know, we do mention when, you know, the Eisners, the Harveys, the Waringos that Baltimore has, whatever. Um, but the 2023 Glad Comic Award nominations came out. And I mention this because two reasons. One, many books that we have read uh, over the last year plus, um, everything from Superman, Son of Kal-El, Nice House in the Lake. Uh, I Hate This Place, uh, Wind, uh, and I think Nightwing is in there as well, um, are nominated for awards. Mm -hmm. But also, this is the first time since they've been doing this that they're uh, nominating the entire creative team, which is a big deal. In the past, it would just be the writer would get nominated, but now it's like the entire creative team that was involved in the book. Which is the colorist and the letterers. Right. Seems fair, you know? Right. It Well, again, it's a big, I think it's a big deal um, because I know for the longest time, at least when I um, was, like, when I tweet out the reminder for the show, I would always do my best to make sure to get the writer and the artist, mm-hmm. and then if I could find the letterer and colorist on social media, I would make sure to tag them in it yep. to try to promote that as much as I can. And, you know, one, there's only so much space on Twitter. And then, two, you find out a lot of these folks don't have social media, right? Yep, yep. For various reasons. So um, I I am a big fan of an inker and a colorist and a letterer uh, getting their just due Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the comics. Because, again, you know, I I think if you were to – if we were to make a decision here – uh, I think we both kind of lean on writer people, even though you're the man who helms Todd's art attack. Yes. Uh, but I think, you know, you're more of a writer guy than an artist guy if it came down to that. Definitely. Right. Not to say that we don't appreciate the artists and nope. we have our favorite artists that we follow, but so on and so forth. Right. Um, but, you know, I'll follow a writer to any project they do, not so much an artist to any book they'll do. Does that make sense? Yeah, let's just put it this way. The ratio to artists that I will buy anything they put out to the ratio of writers, I'll buy anything they put out. It leans way heavier to the writer side. Sure. Uh, But for a nomination like this, an award like this, um, hopefully this sets the trend for these other bigger awards. Um, Your Harveys, your Eisners, your Waringos, your whatevers to start nominating the entire creative team on the book. Not mm-hmm. just the writer, not just the artist. Right. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's good to see uh, that we're not just the 
um, reading just the fan favorites that, uh, you know, we read uh, some critically acclaimed stuff in there as well, huh? Right. We, we love the media darlings, Joe. That's right. Um, so last but not least, more bringing it back to the 90s as I do the Zandig pose. Um, there is a new Doom Patrol book. Uh, that is la- launching in March from DC, of course. Um, and the first issue uh, is going to have a s- scratch-off variant cover to reveal one of five images underneath the scratch-off. Right. Um, I'm glad to see that variant cover gimmicks are coming back as well. And like uh, I said, a new one. Won't get me to buy it, but I love seeing it. I got my nickel ready to scratch away, Joe. No, I mean, this is beyond me. Like, whatever gets eyes on your books, I'm like, that's good. Um, I but a scratch off cover. I like. I'm wondering how that's going to work down the line, and I'm worried about how PGX is going to going to grade those covers. Oh, me too. You know, like this is a this is a scratch cover. This is an unscratch cover. This is a has a bit of a scratch in the corner. I don't know. It's just uh I don't know. I just like my covers being paper with uh, art on them, Joe. You don't like a bullet hole through your cover. Uh, you know what? I'm fine with that. If it's rub the blood, I'm down with it. Well, you know who we have to blame for all this, Todd? Who? Not who, what? What? Silver Surfer 50. Oh, that's right. The cover the that book, started it all. The book that started every variant cover ever, allegedly. Yes. But no, oh. this this is an interesting gimmick. Um, one would hope, as you mentioned, that this gets people to buy the book and read the book. Um, I wonder if there's going to be a way to know what's under the thing. Uh, like pre-scratch. Um, you know, because obviously you're going to get people who buy like all five, co- like five different covers in the hopes to get five different covers. You right. know, and then do they have to if they get there all five, do they have to buy a six to have one unscratched? Right. Or do they just you buy five and there's something that's inside the cover or something that comes with it that lets you designate that when you scratch this, uh, you know, chainsaw none or the chief or the whatever right, right. is underneath these. So that, like, okay, I don't need to scratch it because I know it's X underneath this. So I could say I've got a full set of six or five or whatever it is, and they've guaranteed me that each one is different, you know? Yeah, but I think if it's a scratch-off, it's supposed to be the whole lotto feel. It's supposed to be a surprise, right? Right, yeah. It's supposed to, you're, supposed, you're gambling, Joe, which I do love gambling. Right. But I don't love gambling on what I'm going to get when it comes to comics. I'm okay with gambling on the cover. I'm not okay gambling on what's on the inside. Yeah, and I don't think they'll be marked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna plant my flag on that. Uh, listen, I'm just, I'm a, listen, I'm an asking questions sort of guy, you know. Oh, so I got definitely. I got to ask questions, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the news. Uh, first time we've had a bunch of news in a while. It always makes me feel good. Yep. Um, we have a convention this weekend, uh, Garden State Comic Fest in beautiful Augusta, New Jersey. Uh, it's a straightforward comic book convention. Uh, Larry Hama is going to be there, apparently uh, recovering from wrist surgery. Yep. Uh, 
Riley Brown, Scott Hanna, speaking of inkers extraordinaire, and uh, Tom Mandrake. Where have you been all my life? Uh, I've seen uh, him at a couple of shows. I, I got a specter off of him. No, uh, yeah, a specter off of him in my, uh, no, Martian Manhunter in my sketchbook. Really nice guy. For sure. It's just, he's not a name that you see pop up at the convention circuit all that often, you know? Right. But if I do go, if Larry Hama's hand is is okay, first of all, never ask him to draw you Cobra Commander. He will tell you no every time. Hates drawing Cobra Commander. Um, there's certain Joes that he won't draw. Um, but if you go get the copy of MASH DVD of the episode he was in and get that signed. Oh, there you go. Yep. He was in an episode of MASH. Maybe if somebody out there has a MASH podcast, they can mm-hmm. have him on as a guest. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, hey, the link to that convention, if you're in the greater New Jersey area, will be linked up in the show notes along with this episode. Uh, along with information about soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com uh, anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go up uh, I had someone at uh, I almost called you Adam because I was spoiling it Adam told me uh, podcast <laughs> that I was on recently after five days had not shown up in his podcatcher right mm-hmm. don't be a slave to your podcatcher Soon to be named network.com. Anytime Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, Add Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, The Limited Series, uh, No Chance in Helmet, any of the past stuff. You can go back through the archives, her, and check out all the other shows. Oh, I was aching for some dad-stractions the other day. I think they've all been scrubbed from the internet. But go back through the archives, find them all there, leave your podcatchers in the dust. Soon to be named network.com is your one-stop shop for all of the uh, folks that you love on these shows. And when they show up on other shows and they let me know they've showed up on other shows, you could find them there as well. Uh, also check out some of our other friends and their to-do-wins on the internet. Uh, <laughs> yep. Go check out Mike Sterling's blog at ProgressiveRuin.com. Uh, always love getting that message from Mike after he listens to the Patreon show for the preview yep. past. I kind of mark out with that when it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. He lived it, you know? Mm-hmm. He, he lived it and his memory is like a steel trap regarding it all, you know? I, I love when like he's talking about like we did something. He's like, and then this happened right afterwards. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like we planned it. That's right. Uh, go check out our friend Kevin's uh, blog at MassLibrary.com. Uh, he just did a bunch of uh, finds of some thrift store comic stuff, and he also did a write-up on 30 years of Monday Night Raw, if that's something that you're interested in. No. <laughs> go check out Rick Williams' <laughs> free karate chops.storeenvy.com. Get all those cool resin, glow-in-the-dark, sci-fi fantasy, wrestling-themed things that he does. He's got stickers and pins and stuff as well. Uh, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt, two longtime listeners of the show, uh, both did self-published comic books, Jupiter and Battle Monsters, respectively. We have that linked up in the show notes. Uh, You can go purchase those directly from them. Uh, You can also go check out Chris's podcast, Fortress of Comic News. Uh, That comes out weekly as well. Uh, You could also head over to our local comic book stores, 
social media, their Facebook page is linked up, Comics on the Green. If you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. Follow them on social media. As mentioned, that's where you can get all the updates about the new releases, when the books are in, what's been shorted, what's been delayed, what funky statues and toys came in as well. Sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get stuff mailed to you weekly, biweekly, and monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that you'll get a sketch from our good friend Becky. Go check out her social media for all the prints and process and commissions and so forth. And, uh, you know, lately all the birthday presents that she got because I guess it was her birthday. It, it is, as we record this, it's her birthday. Do you know who, who she shares a birthday with? Not only Warren Zevon. Uh, um, a ton of people I saw. Right. But the big one, Joe, she shares her birthday, which makes her legendary. Because if you're not sharing your birthday with Clint Eastwood or Mick Foley, you should be sharing your birthday with Yakov Smirnov. Oh. Because in Russia, birthday has you, Joe. <laughs> but oh, no, I goodness. found that fascinating. So. Oh, she's got a ton, as I'm looking at it here. Neil Diamond. Oh. Ernest Borgnine. Ooh, from Airwolf. Uh-huh. Uh, John Belushi. Good one, good one. Ray Stevens. Oh, they call him the Streak? N- not the Crippler, the Streak, that's right. Right. Uh, you mentioned Yakov Smirnov. Yakov Smirnov's a little further down on the list than I expected him to be. He should be right at the top, man. That's right. Oh, and listen, bro. Who else does she share a birthday with, bro? And it's not a swerve, bro. <laughs> Vince Russo, bro, a.k.a. Vic Venom, world wrestling, uh, one of the, the, the worst writers in all of professional wrestling. I'm sorry I brought it up. Yeah, you brought it up. Uh, so, hey, uh, go wish Becky and uh, Vince Russo a happy birthday. Jeez. And uh, I've taken to uh, talking to Becky online about her getting her portfolio together. You're making a you're making a, a stand online to get. It I done? certainly am. Good for you. She don't on, listen to me. So on Sunday she's like, "Oh, I have the day off of work and I got nothing to do. I want any ideas of what I could do." So I go, "You can get started working on that portfolio." <sighs> I'm sure she got right to it and didn't she sit did around not. watching anime, eating candy, exactly, drinking weird beverages. Right. Well, is it weeb beverages? I think it is weeb beverages. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, hey, let's get into what we read from this past week. All right. I'll start with the book and the only book that we were looking forward to most this week, which was Nightwing 100, written by Tom Taylor, art by Scott McDaniel, Rick Leonardi, Eddie Barrows, Javier Fernandez, Mike, uh, Mikel Janine, um, various other ones. Um, people have all been on the book over the years. So that was over the years. Uh, so that's kind of cool. It starts out with uh, in the now of uh batman and nightwing talking and it's just kind of like uh he's like it's a batman's like it's a big ask um and they're setting up what's going on there then it cuts to weeks ago and they're talking about the uh prison that's on the uh, edge of bloodhaven which is a blight and kind of you know run down and it's the first thing they see when when you come into bloodhaven and heartless decides to pull a bane and go in there and let everybody out and he you know arms them up and he's like hey join join me go out there and create chaos he ends up getting uh tony zuko talking to him he ends up getting uh the uh, uh kg beast he's like hey you have uh beef with nightwing go out there and handle it um and finally he ends up letting out uh elephant man which i don't know is, if is a new 
villain or an old villain, but uh, I'm kind of cool with that. And Nightwing's like realizes he has to, you know, handle this while, you know, the city's in chaos with hundreds of prisoners running the streets. And he talks about how, like, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to go do this where I kind of jump before I know, even know where I'm going to land. And in a cool, like, scene of the various costumes and the years of, like, his history, the various artists do their versions of what Nightwing, you know, his costume, what they look like from Eddie Barrows to Scott McDaniel, like, which totally, like, I marked out at loved it like seeing all that because i've been reading nightwing a long long time he ends up actually instead of like fighting most of him he's like listen you guys are out if you let you put your guns down and you know help me out i'll talk to people we'll get this kind of done and the, some of the goons are like this isn't gonna happen the rest of the goons kind of put the the guns down but not all of them so he's like he's trying a new you know tactic and in that, he's just stalling for time, too. And that's when the uh, Titans show up. And, you know, he does the whole, like, you know, leader thing. He tells them which which ways to go, blah, 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 what to do. He ends up having his showdown with, uh, with the KG Beast kind of a deal. And in the end, we find out that, uh, you know, he ends up taking the town back kind of a deal. Superman, Wonder Woman show up, and they're like, you know, it's like, ah, we, ha- we can handle it, and we get back to the now, where it's Bruce and uh, Dick talking in costume over Alfred's grave, um, and basically Batman has said, you know, I want you to run the new Justice League kind of a thing. You be the big group, um, and he's, like, deciding whether or not he should do it, and uh, Batman and Dick have a heart-to-heart, and it's beautiful, and I do love the fact that I will say this... Um, Bruno Redondo might be the definitive hug artist in comics right now. (laughs) Because after uh, Suicide Squad and now this issue, just he knows how to draw a hug like no person in the comic industry. And then basically Dick Grayson ends up saying how he's going to revitalize what the prison was and his plan. And when he does, when he does that, it's one of the things that I love about Nightwing and certain groups that he's in. I just popped for that. So uh, it was a, it was a great all around like uh, issue 100, what it should be just really quick, not really quick, but one story. It all leads up to this. If you haven't read it before for a, a, a celebration issue, you don't, you're not lost and it ends it with like, Oh, we're going to do this. Uh, it's just perfect for a hundred ish, a hundredth issue, Joe. Yeah, it, it felt like a big issue. It felt like an important issue. It didn't feel like something like, well, it's 100. Let's, you know, just do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you did mention about the prison at the beginning of the issue and kind of the through line of it is like when you come into Bloodhaven, that's like the first thing that you see, right? Right. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a, like the, the whole uh, pay for prisoners deal, kind of what keeps it going. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, of course, I love that we get like the jam stuff of all the previous artists. Uh, it is self-contained, which is always something that we've talked very highly about any of the stuff that uh, Tom Taylor writes, specifically Nightwing, where there feels like there's no beginning or end to a story, which is typically a good thing and sometimes a bad thing in the wrong writer's hands. But in this, because it feels like one continuous story and every issue is more or less self-contained and 
It's just this continuing narrative over the last, like, two years that he's been on the book. You could jump on at any point. Um, Was there references in this story to the run previous? Yes. Was there references to, like, other runs previous? Yes. But they weren't things that bog down the main story. Yep. They tell you enough. Hey, this is why Dick and KG Beast have heat. This is why KG Beast wants to do this. You get, like, maybe a panel or two, and that's all you need to know. And it's done expertly well. Um, If we did not have the big battle with KG Beast, and we're doing our best to spoilers, because, and also the other thing with this is, it's a huge issue. It's a $7 book. It's big. You're getting what you paid for. There's not a lot of filler in this. And there's a, you know, I would say a status quo changing thing that happens at the end of the issue, right? Yep. Um, but it's thematic, it makes sense, it's in line with everything else that's been going on in the book. Um, if we did not have the battle with Dick and KG Beast, I would have been upset because we would have been missing something. I wanted um, there to be the big showdown, uh, the big dukeroo, if you will, between Dick and Heartless. Yep, that's and still get, coming, though. Right, and I get why we didn't get it, because it's coming, this very easily could have been the end of the Heartless storyline, and I'm glad that it wasn't, but I'm glad that we got, like, that big battle with Dick and KG Beast. Yeah, I almost feel like all of Tom Taylor's run is going to be Heartless. And that's cool. Like, he, Heartless is going to be the new blockbuster. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. He, he may not be the villain every month, but he's going to be the overarching villain of the whole story. Because he's pretty much the reverse Nightwing, so it's all good. His name's Wing Knight? What? Yes, Wing Knight. No. 35 uh, but yeah, like I said, we, we say it every every month, every time that we read it, we mean it. Check out Nightwing. It is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it was a big book. We had a lot of news, and we got a ton of other stuff to talk about, so that's all we got from last week. Right. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday at noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is currently in the lead over me with one correct guess. Uh, let's see how the standings shake out this week. I'm looking at your list, and once again, it's a rarity when you have more books than I do. Um, I'm looking at it. I'm down 50-50 of the books. One of those books is Saga. The other is Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Um, but I'm going to go with Saga 61 is the book you're looking forward to most, The Return of Saga. You're going to overlook Human Target 11. You're going to overlook JSA number two. Mm-hmm. You're going to overlook Traveling to Mars, number three. Yep. You're going to overlook Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number three. Yep. All these other heavy hitters. Yep. And you'd be correct. It is Saga 61. Saga is my layup with you, man. Saga is back. Well, listen, my layup for you, uh, Human Target, number 11. I don't know. It might be Junkyard. No, it's Human Target, number 11. Hey, and I'll say, you know, you, you scoff. Junkyard Joe's been good. Oh, it has been. I look at all these books on here in my in my except for maybe Thor 30 because it's no longer Donnie Cates. Um, all of those books are like writers 
that I really respect, man. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So no movement, but again, it's uh, two things that we'll be talking about next week. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to peck, check out all the past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, the T Public sale is going on as we speak. Um, and I think the T Public sale, 35% off. Uh, 35% off everything until Sunday. Uh, so you can get uh, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, soon-to-be-named network-inspired designs on everything from cell phone covers to notebooks to throw, pa- throw pillows and everything in between. Right. Uh, so also, you can sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows from Todd and myself. Uh, the movie show, uh, <laughs> Comic Book Oddities. We just recorded Fantastic Four, the Roger Corman one this past weekend, already getting rave reviews. Right. Uh, that one was a, almost a twofer, Joe. Yes, because uh, spoilers, everyone. Uh, we also discuss at length not only the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, but also Doomed, the documentary about the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. That's right. You know what, Joe? Like, this isn't me, like pushing it like because i don't really do that a lot but that was one of the most fun podcasts i've done with you was talking about that ff movie and doomed that was a blast right and um, how much fun todd had recording it imagine how much fun you'll have listening to us listening to todd enjoying recording that show that's right you could enjoy me enjoying the doing the podcast that's right uh, and of course uh previewing the past uh, you know, we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Um, you know, we have you'll be getting, uh, you know, January 1993 just came out for everyone. We'll be recording February 1993. Um, and I go, I know we have up to 95, but I'm starting to get itchy for 96. If you're not buying those adult supplement ones, too. <laughs> you know, it looked like the adult supplement ones didn't start until 97. Uh, I believe 96. I found a couple 96 on you. Oh, okay. Well, off the talk, so, pal. So... Um, and also, of course, with um, you know either level, whether it be the dollar level, the five dollar level, uh, you get those full scans, expertly done, high quality of all those previews catalogs. Um, you know, going back to, like the last three years that we've been doing that show. Uh, of course, when you sign up, you get the archives. If you want to go back and grab all the past shows? Absolutely, you can do that as well. Um, and the five dollar level, you get those two bonus shows uh, two weeks before everyone else. And you get uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else so that you can get the shows in the correct listening order. That's the most important part. Yes. And uh, one other way that you can help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. I say it with pride. It's the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. The link is in the show notes everywhere that you get these episodes, no matter where it is that you get these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week include uh, Valentine's Day vase filler pearls. That is a big, long explanation that you don't have to do the whole thing, Joe. I only do that on one show. Uh, somebody purchased Himalaya Botanique Complete Care Toothpaste. Simon, Simonin's flavor, yeah. Joe. Listen, I'll, I'll do a mint. I'll do a fruit. 
Uh, I'll even do the uh, old tubes of Crest Sparkle I got in the closet. <laughs> right. Uh, but I don't know how I feel about a cinnamon toothpaste, you know? All right. Mint is in toothpaste is the only place, and that's my least favorite, but it's the only place that I'll take mint anything. Right. Because if you eat a chocolate-covered mint, I'm like, you're just eating chocolate-covered toothpaste. Right. And uh, somebody went tea crazy, Todd. Ooh. Somebody purchased Taylors of Harrogate tea in the following flavors, uh, types, kinds, I don't know. Um, Irish breakfast, English breakfast, Yorkshire gold, Scottish breakfast, a tin of Yorkshire gold, and red. Right. The only thing that I'm upset about is it just seems that there's different numbers of tea bags for the different flavors. I figured it would just be 50 or 100 for each one. You know what I mean? Right. But there's like 40, there's 80. I'm like, I can't be following all these tea bags, Joe. They don't oh. make things easy, Todd. No, they don't. But people also bought some comics by hooking up their comicsology to our click-through. And some of the purchases this week were Miniature Sulk by Jeffrey Brown, which that one I've never heard of. Um, Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, number five. Lazarus Planet, number one. We were we once were gods. Batman, one bad day. Catwoman, number one. Justice Society of America, number two. Gargoyles, number two. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Armageddon game, number four. And finally, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, 136. Thank you once again. Yes, thank you, everyone, for making any and all of your purchases, whether it be this week, this month, this year, this one, ever. And uh, so let's get into Todd and Joe have issues as we're going to be. We are reading the entirety of Neil Gaiman's Sandman, not just the 75 issues of the main story. Uh, Todd himself has curated an expertly put together list. Uh, we're reading approximately two issues a week. Uh, if you want the full breakdown, of course, you could certainly shoot me an email. Um, obviously, if you don't have these in your collection, they're absolutely worth being in your collection. Um, but if you are near a library, you should be able to take these out of any good library worth its salt. And uh, through services like Canopy and Hoopla, um, if you have a library card and your library is a participant in those, you can actually get digital copies of these books as well. Yes. Uh, so this week, we're talking about issues... We're talking about issues seven and eight of Sandman, <laughs> right? which is the end of the uh, Dr. Destiny storyline and, uh, you know, like a, like a come down issue in between that big story arc. Right. The end of pre Preludes and Nocturnes. Um, so basically it starts out, uh, you know, after the end of the diner issue and uh, doc Dr. Destiny's you've been using the. Sandman's ruby to wreak havoc upon the world. Sandman comes to the diner to confront him to get his ruby back. But out the the issue is, you know, in the background of the issue is the world at large. And they keep, you know, touching in with it as as they go. Just saying, like, listen, you can hear the screaming. And then they'd be like, you know, just three children are trapped in an elevator with Bobby Joe McCann, which is not a good thing by the picture. Somebody's like, you know, has uh a tire iron in his bloody fist uh, with dogs and stuff like that. 
people being burned in a geriatric ward with gasoline by somebody, planes falling out of the sky. And finally, like in the radio room, this is one that stuck with me. In the radio room, Nan Fowler knows she has no more ambulances to send and the calls just won't stop coming in. And that just, just there's nothing you can do. With that little bit, you could just feel how terrible everything is. And uh, Dream comes to Dean. He's like, what are you doing? And they end up, he's explaining he has the power to hurt them all. And it's so much fun. He doesn't want it to stop. And he's like, he's like, you're using that Dream Stone to like hurt people. He's like, doesn't matter. Wanna, I want to watch the world burn kind of a thing. And he ends up telling him, he's like, that's mine. I created that from the fabric of my being long ago. It's my spirit to ma- manipulate the dream world. Um, it's from the it's from the stuff of me, basically. And he's like, if you reverse what you've done, if you give it back, I can handle this. He's like, you have to listen. He's like, oh, this is yours, huh? Um, it's, it's stolen your power. It's your stolen power I've been using. Okay, okay. She's like, oh, so then you'll repair it, give it back to control, you know, kind of a deal? He's like, no. Oh no, I'm going to kill you. And he's so, like, kill him. Go ahead. Sorry. So I'm going to stop you there just so I can interject, of course. Um, I want to just kind of throw in just a bit. Um, you know, we, we talk about this all the time where we get that last issue that says, next issue is this. And then the next issue title is always different. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously, uh, they said, next, dreams end. And then it ends up being called Sound and Fury, right? Right. Um, also, just in this little early bit, specifically if you're looking um, after the credits page, Mike Dredgenberg's art, as he draws Dr. Destiny literally from panel to panel, his face is different in every shot, going from like almost playful to quizzitive to frightening. You know what I mean? It's It's every panel he looks different but close enough to what dr destiny looks like that it's almost as though like you know to us the reader the gem is changing him as well right and that's you know mike drisenberg who's done some work but malcolm jones the third who is the anchor on this um like helps out a lot sadly he would end up taking his own life a few years later so um that always you know makes me sad but like i said i always love this art team these two issues uh seven and eight are like perfect but uh so dream's like oh you're gonna kill me he's like with the power of my own ruby perhaps you could it's got a lot of my soul stuff but he's like it's gonna be a battle and i'm i'm garbed and he puts on the helm and he puts on you know he has his pouch and there's that shot where you're talking about the way destiny looks the shot where he he gets into like his magic battle stance form with the with the ro- the jacket that has the flames on it with the helm i'm like this is fantastic and he's like but if you're going to you know steal a dream lord's power then you should do it in the dream world world's realm so he goes into the dreaming and he's like oh coward you know i'm coming for you and along the way we see more people like people who you know are cutting themselves in the in the world uh somebody who's thrown oven cleaner in somebody's face uh it just gets really bad down to the the cool shot of just a gun that looks like it's pointed at the reader um it's just like listen you can hear it like the chaos um dr destiny's in the dream and he's thinking he's caesar in uh ancient times and the three witches are kind of giving him his fortune 
once again, kind of like in the uh, the the cafe, the previous the di- issue with the diner, the diner. Yes, and he they're basically saying, uh, you know, this and that. And he's hearing stuff from his mother, kind of a deal. Like she never loved him, and she wished she never had him. And he ends up like spiriting him away. And he's like, uh, "Where are you, you you coward?" Well, um, the 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 three witches start to change as he sees them to look like Morpheus with the helm on, and mm-hmm. then they kind of almost look like the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, so he ends up, you know, like attacking uh, the stuff in the Dreamers. Like he's going to use the the power to rip your ragtag world apart. Um, all the all the like the creatures in the dreaming. I like the fact that he's like Eve stares out from her cave, you know, her Raven cause unkindly at the havoc. Ooh, a Raven Joe. Um, the quakes, you know, keep Cain and Abel under their bed, scurrying for cover. Their monsters hide with them. This one gives me goosebumps because I know destiny is like in the garden of forking ways. Destiny finds himself perhaps for the first time hesitant to turn the book to turn to the next page in his book and Dr. Destiny's starting to look like the villain from the comics. He's got the skull kind of look and the cape and the, and the, the hood and everything. So I kind of really, I think that's really cool. Uh, On the previous page or two, we get like a big, almost like a full splash page thing Mm -hmm. of him almost looking like the, you know, the costumed villain, you know, with the cape and the gem. And, like, he, it almost looks like he's got, like, boots made of the dream S and stuff. Again, a lot of really good playing with the way Dr. Destiny's look kind of keeps changing as he goes further and further through the dreaming, you know? Right. And uh, so, finally, Dream does show up in full, this time not through, like, the players in the dream. He's like, stop, I've had enough. Are you? You've, I, I'm here, desist. And he's like, uh, he tries like reason with him. He's like, you're 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 hurting the dreamers. You're tampering with the you know the the, uh, the order of things. And he's like, doesn't matter. He's like, I'm gonna you know, I, I, this is your life. This is your your power. If it t- if it took some of you, what if I sucked it like all the power out of you? And he's like, this is your life dream. And he's like, absorbing his essence. And he's like, this is your life. And I'm crushing it with my hands. And just after that, there's just D floating in panels of white nothingness, which is so eye-catching, which is amazing. And he's like, I did it. He's like, I rule the dream world. I'll never go back or leave here where people, you know, can hurt you, where they don't care. And he's like, I like what he's like, uh, and, and, I, and I'll be wise and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll reign justly over nightmares, only ripping out the minds of the evil and the wicked. Anybody I don't like. And he's like, I, I thought I heard somebody say something. And then in like one of my favorite panels of the run is is Sandman holding John D in his hand, thanking him. He's like, thank you, John D. And he basically says, I've forgotten that I've put so much of the the power of myself into the jewel that it was a detriment. It was like it was denied to me. I had, you know, relied on tools way too much, but you destroying the the uh, the gem released it all. I'm at my full power. I'm at like peak performance right here. And he's like, and what I should done, I should 
punish you, but you did free me. It's all mine again. And then there's a great shot of D like, are you going to killing kill me? And he's naked again. And he's just scratching his butt with a little scratching sound, uh-huh. which is so for a man who did all that stuff in the diner is so childlike. It's ridiculous in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Right. But, uh, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, so what are you going to do with me? And he goes, I'm going to take you home. He takes him back to Arkham and Scarecrow jumps out, uh, Dr. Crane. And he's like, oh, it's you. He's like, oh, you're back. I told you, you would always come back. He's like, and he, he, they, they go walk and he's like, there's no place like home, Professor Crane. And a beautiful nod to Wizard of Oz with the Scarecrow and Dorothy and all that stuff. Um, and he takes him and he's like, well, maybe you can, you know, I'll take you back and you can have a good night's sleep. He's like, I don't sleep. He's like, perhaps you'll will tonight. And Scarecrow loses his mind. He's like, it's terrible. He's like, Arkham is terrible. He's like, it's never quite here. Someone's always screaming, crying out, someone in the next cell, banging their head against the wall and banging and banging and banging. He's like, go to sleep. He goes, I have a castle to rebuild, a world to reclaim. But tonight, at least tonight, humanity will sleep at peace and they go to all the people like some of the people that were throughout the story that they end up you know having a calm night sleep um dr d has one for the the first time and it ends up saying silence washes like a river over arkham no sounds of screaming no sobbing no noise of pain or madness just peace the only noise is the gentle even cadence of people asleep in out listen you can hear it which is the way it starts it's like poetry because it rhymes. And for the first night in the history of Arkham, a peaceful sleep. Next, a death in the family, Joe. Oh, my goodness. They're revisiting. Now, you got to think that that was a rib on <laughs> yep. them not being able to use the Joker. Mm-hmm. Plus, because of the death in the family thing, right? Yep. Um, so if it, ends, if, if it ends there, mm-hmm. you've got a nice little story. A nice beginning, a middle, and an end. Yep. We talked before about a, a previous uh, issue or two, like the uh, what was it, the the John Constantine issue? Well, mm-hmm. it's like that was a nice little self-contained thing. Obviously, you have a through line, and like I said, great story if it ends there, but it doesn't, Todd. That that's right. And the nod to the death in the family too is to make you think someone's going to die in the next issue too. You know what right. I mean? Which is fantastic. <laughs> but uh, I will say this. Before we go on, everybody talks about maybe the two most remembered issues in all of Sandman are probably the diner issue Mm -hmm. and the one we're about to to read. Um, But Hammock in there, I forgot how good, like, seven gets lost in between six and eight of how good they are. The battle. And an interview in an interview with Karen Berger, Karen Berger said the beauty of Neil Gaiman on Sandman for the first couple you know issues first storyline maybe a little bit longer was he was fooling readers into reading a horror book by writing it like a superhero book where it's like here's our stories here's a middle beginning and end here's what the what the character sandman he has to go on a quest and he has to find the thing that he's looking for and along the way he has to battle to get the pouch, he has to battle a demon in, in, in hell to get the helm. He has to fight D in the big epic battle at the end. And he he literally fooled people into reading a horror book. And then he would slowly like leave that 
that formula for the book. But you look at that battle before be, between D and Sandman, that's straight out of any superhero book me or you have ever read, Joe. Absolutely. And rereading this issue seven, that battle just gets completely glossed over in the Netflix show. Yes, it does. Um, and I get maybe you can't do a big to do with that sort of thing. You could have played with some of the elements that they introduced here, but essentially you get the beginning and the end of the battle. You don't get the middle. No, you don't. Joe, you All ready right. for the big one? I'm ready for the big one. So previously entitled a death in the family, as opposed to death in my family. Uh, this is called the sound of her wings. Uh, same creative team, of course. And uh, this actually on the Netflix show, and we'll just kind of get this out of the way, this issue gets paired up with the, uh, and again, this name will mean nothing to a lot of people. If I remember correctly, this gets paired up with the Hobgalding thing, right? I do believe it does, yes. Okay. But I don't remember because it's been a little while since I watched it. You know so I mean? we'll get to Hobgalding when we get to Hobgalding. But um, I'm shocked that they didn't feel that this story couldn't have stood on its own as a single episode of the TV show. I guess I, you know, I guess you could have done more deaths and stuff like that, but uh-huh. I don't know. But uh, as we say, I'm going to get it right out of the way. One of my fa- maybe my favorite one sh- single issue story of all time. Um, and it starts out with Dream feeding the pigeons in the park by the fountain when a kid kicks a soccer ball and almost hits him. But you know, Sandman does the cool catch, and he's like, "Oh wow." Like, great catch. You want to play? He's like, and I like the fact that because Sandman, he doesn't know what a ball is almost. He's like, can I have my ball back? He's like, oh, this? Here. And I'm like, you know, he's been trapped for 80 years. Hasn't watched a lot of soccer. Um, And he's like, oh, I'm feeding the pigeons. And then just somebody walks out um, and starts, you know, talking. He's like, what are you doing? Feeding the pigeons. Does the joke from Mary Poppins. What do you do when when you feed pigeons too much? You get fat pigeons. Joe, you have a rule about coming out of a box. I have a rule that if your first appearance is in a comic where somebody feeds pigeons, you're immediately over. All right. You're immediately (laughs) over. Um, Right out of the get-go, we end up meeting Sandman's sister, and I immediately fall in love with this character. Maybe one of my favorite female characters of all times. She ends up explaining what Mary Poppins is down to supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Um, And she basically asks him, like, what's the matter? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I know when something's wrong um, and it isn't like you. But he ends up talking about being trapped. And it's kind of like a synopsis of the first eight issues. It's the brilliance of it. It's like, I was trapped. I wanted revenge. By the time I got out, the man who trapped me was dead. I put it on his son. I thought that would make me feel better, but it didn't. Um, I found out that my dream world had fallen. I needed to find my, you know, my items scattered. And he basically talks about the pouch, the helm, uh, the ruby. Um, And in the end, he says like, oh, crushing it freed me. I got, you know, I'm stronger than I've ever been. Um, But I thought getting my dream world back uh, you know, that would make me feel good, but I feel nothing there. You asked me, I, I'm sorry. I don't have an answer, but that's it. He's like, she's like, are you finished? And she basically just gives him a, a talking down to, she's like, he throws the, the, the bread at him. I love that. She biffs this magic being that we've like saw how powerful it is. She just comes up and she's like, you're a pathetic specimen, a little adolescent. 
uh, your game is over and you, and you haven't got, you know, the, the, the balls to go and find a new game. Like, I, I can't believe it. And she drops, she's like, yours, your bad is desire or worse. So we get another one of the endless. Um, and uh, the ball gets kicked again and she ends up grabbing it the same way he does. And she's like, oh, you, you're just as good as your friend here. Not my friend, my brother. So we find out that he's his brother. She's his brother. And he's like, um, I have to go do something. Do you want to come along with me, Dream? She has to go do her job. And she's like, yes. And the kid's like, hey, will I see you again? She's like, sure, Franklin. You'll see me again soon. He's like, hey, how'd you know my name? And they go off. Go ahead. What? Before we move on to the next thing, I just want to say, were there times in previous collections where this was the first issue of the next one? Or was this always kind of... And I know you read this kind of in single issues as well, but do you remember if there was ever a time where this was the first issue in trade two or yes. was it always the last issue in trade one? It was always the, I don't know if it was always, but it was in future printings. It was always eight and it was always the first issue of a, the next run, a doll's house. Right. To get you caught up. The issue's so good, it gets printed twice. And then, for a while there, in, dream, in uh, Death Minis, they would put it in that, too. They were like, oh, because Death's only three issues? Yeah, we can't um, sell a trade of just three issues. We'll put that in there. And then it was like, oh, well, we'll put the second Death uh, mini series in it, and then we'll put any mini little eight-page stories that we have. But yeah, this would always be a, and it would be a great start to the next run of Dollhouse because, like I said, it just gives you the whole rundown of yeah. the last seven issues. Right. Uh, also, I want to comment. Uh, you know, analogs to the TV show, of course, the bit where she dresses them down. Obviously, the dressing down feels a little bit more aggravated. She mentions to him at least twice, like you could have asked me for help. You know. Right. Um, and obviously that is to kind of further uh, dream stubbornness when uh, Franklin comes over after she catches the ball and uh, she says, he's my brother and he's my idiot. And we get that panel of him saying, just feeding the birds. I can't so think sad. of the actor's name, but he nails that line delivery in the show. And he looks so sad there, man. He does. Um, again, a, a dream, you know, a, a, one of the endless, right? I, I got chastised last week for saying he's like a god. Um, but a, again, he's just being dressed down by his big sister in public, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say here, and this is something that we kind of, they do get a little away from, I think, as the story goes on, whether it be intentional or not. Um, her eyes kind of um, alternate at times between having like an Asian look and an Egyptian look, if that makes sense during the course of this. Right. Because the eye makeup or whatever you would call it in certain close-up panels looks like she has that eight, that Egyptian eye makeup. And then right. other times it just looks like, yes, that she's an Asian actress or an Asian character. Right. So again, just an interesting thought and just an interesting design with the character in this appearance which is something that they kind of go away from in future appearances. Yes. Um, and so as they're going, he's talking about like the feelings people get as, as she walks by and like the, everybody says, like, I feel like someone just walked over my grave because like, I hear that a lot. And then they say, he says, I hear a violin. I haven't heard this song in over 200 years, but I hear it being played very badly. And it's an old Jewish man playing a, a fiddle 
and she he's like oh i'm sorry i didn't hear you coming in and uh they they have like a little bit of a, a conversation and she's like you know who i am harry don't you and he's like not yet no please and she's like i know who you are he goes i have to say something and he ends up saying a jewish prayer and he's like i was worried that i wouldn't get a chance to say it but I'm, I'm I'm hoping that'll get me into heaven. I look at my body and it looks so old and empty. And um, I hope it gets me to heaven. He's like, so I'm dead. Now what? And she's just like, now's when you find out, Harry. And she draws him close. And I get goosebumps every time I read this, whether it's in my head or out loud right now. And from the darkness, I hear a beating of mighty wings. And I like that she's like, I thought he was sweet, didn't you? And he's like, sweet. I don't. I don't know. Perhaps. Like the differences of the two characters, right there. Um, and he ends up saying, "When I was captured, they wanted you." And she's like, "I know. Come on, we have to go to the next one." Yeah. And I love the they go to a comedy club, and this woman's doing comedy. And I love the fact that in this world, she's doing stand up about Batman. <laughs> And that's great. And she ends up grabbing the mic, but the mic's hot and the stage is a little wet from a spilled drink. And she's like, I can't believe, you know, that live that mic was live. And he's like, ah, I just realized that's every comedian's nightmare dying on stage. And she kind of laughs. She goes, I thought you were really funny. Death said, no, but I would have been, I would have been a star, but why couldn't I have had a few more? I could have made it to the top. I was good. He's like, I'm sorry. It was your time's up. Come here, honey. And Sandman's like, I hear the sound of her wings, and I'm like, just so good. Um, and now, then as, I love. Go ahead, as, sorry. sorry, as good as this bit was, uh, this gets replaced in the TV show mm-hmm. uh, with the guy drowning. Yes, and it's the whole thing of he comes up and he's like, I need to tell her all of her hotel information, all of everything is in my cell phone. I need to let her know. And Death is like, you can't. You know, it's your time. Yeah, which is which is heartbreaking in the show too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yes, different. Um, and then I like that she ends up talking about. She's like, it gets me down that mostly they aren't too keen to see me. They fear the sunless lands, but they enter your realm each night without fear. And Sandman says this, and I'll always st- this always sticks with me. And it says, and I am far more terrible than you, my sister, because dreams can be living nightmares. You know what I mean? Oh um, yeah. And now, Joe. Hopefully, a scene that will live with anybody who's ever read this comic. Um, it's one page. Mm-hmm. And sh- sh- woman putting her baby down in a crib, going to get the milk, and Death just picks up the baby. And there's that like like three Ks, which you know is not a good sound. And then the baby speaks. Is but that was it. That was all I get. And she's like, I'm afraid of, I'm afraid. So the sound of wings. And then the woman comes in with the bottle and just has drops it. And there's that shot of her crouched down crying next to the crib. And I'll say they, 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 they were cowards. They didn't do this to the end in the show. They just have her scream. They don't show her laying by the crib in like, you know, in pain screaming. And I think, that would have been such a, a powerful scene, but they don't do it. I, I think it was still powerful enough in the show for what you can get away with uh, in 2022-23 time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, this 1989 that we're talking about in a comic book is a very different time, my friend. Yes. 
So he goes on and they like they do a like a collage of the people that they meet from people are dying in an alley to, you know, someone in a hospital bed and he can't figure out why, you know, the attitude to his sister's gift. Now this is important. This speech is very, very important. She's like his, her gift. He's like, why do they fear the sunless lands? It's as natural to die as it is to be born, but they fear her. They dread her. Uh, feebly. They attempt to placate her. Um, they do not love her. And he goes, I remember this song that I heard, um, thousands of years ago. And it's this song about like, uh, death is finally before me. I'm not going to do it all, but this is the gist of it. Like the recovery of a sick man, like going forth into a garden after sickness. It's basically saying that death is a blessing and a release at some point. And through the song, they say it like many different ways. Um, and he finally says that forgotten poet understood her gifts. She has a function as I do. The endless have their responsibilities. I have responsibilities. Um, walking by here, I hear the gentle beating of mighty wings. And he ends up saying after this, he's like, you taught me. You, you know, it was the thing that I've forgotten um, that my, my responsibility is what's going to keep me going. And she's like, that's good. That's what family's all about. I have one last appointment. He's like, you've given me much to think about. Franklin, who was the the soccer player in the beginning, runs out into traffic to get the ball. He gets hit, um, talks to the to, to death, and he's like, "Oh, you're you're back. I didn't think I'd see you this soon." And she's like, "He's like, hold that thought, Franklin." He's like, "See you, dream. I'll talk to you later." And he's like, uh, "You know, there's something that you might have to see." Um, and he she walks him over to the body, um, and he's like, "You know, I found solace in a way that I can't imagine. I have to go restore my kingdom." Um, I have to do all this. I, and he throws grains of, of his sand in the air. And in a great shot, he's like the sound of wings. And it's like, he, like, she brings death to people, but she also brought, you know, realization to him like death does that, you know, this, he's going to go off and do what he does, which is the brilliant of this issue. The brilliance of this issue. I'm all over the place and I'm like war- warbling, but uh, this issue is so, so, so good, Joe. Absolutely. And again, obviously, there is so much of this that is them walking to and from uh, the people that death has to collect. Um, So much of this is death's introspective of his thoughts about death and thoughts about dreams and the differences of stuff. So, of course, a lot of that would not translate to a narrative television show. Right. So I get I get now, in discussing this, why this issue, I would hate to say gets the short shrift, but mm-hmm. kind of has to share the billing with the Hobgalding issue, which, again, we'll get to in, like, another trade or so, right? Mm-hmm. I believe next trade. Right. But this, this was amazing. Yeah. I loved revisiting this, just like I've been loving revisiting all these issues, you know? I will say this, like I said, when I met dream in this or death in this issue, like how I feel about her, it will take, and I can't believe I know this this well, it will take 50 issues for someone to do a soliloquy about death that explains the way I feel about this character. (laughs) So you have to wait 50 issues ish to get there. And when we do, I will remember because it is one of my three favorite, uh, speeches in the history of this book and they're all on the back end of sandman i'm weird like that joe (laughs) it's an amazing read so next week um we have issues nine and ten 
Uh, nine. Hey, remember when uh, Death went to go get his helm back uh, from hell and he walked past that woman who was captured there in hell? Mm-hmm. And they had a little bit of a back and forth, you know? Yep. Uh, we get that revealed to us. Right, which I don't think they did in the show. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Um, and then we get um, the beginning of the doll's house. Yep. Which, uh, something that happened in issue one, and again, I know we're only ten issues in, but something that happened in issue one uh, comes home to roost in the beginning of issue ten. Which sets up so much. So, so much. So much. <laughs> oh, Todd, whoever's idea this was was to reread this was a genius. Right, I think it was, it wasn't me because I'm not a genius. All right. So, hey, thanks, everyone, for bearing with us. Uh, you know, I don't know when you grab the uh, the episode. Sorry, this was a little bit late. But, uh, yeah, you know, I had fun talking about Sandman. I hope you guys had fun listening to us talk about the week in comics, <laughs> news, and so forth. And uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening to episode 642. And we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.